Good morning, everybody. It's so lovely to be here and to see you and to be in the sunshine and we're going on a picnic. Amazing. That's wonderful. Um, what I was going to start with, I was going to start with a little game, but I realise we're getting a bit short of time. Are you sure? Okay. Can I have three volunteers then, please? Don't all rush at once. Yeah, come on. Another two. giving you the best one you've got two you can help each other with this by the way it's a miming game <clears throat> so we're going to, i can't remember your name what's your name nat's Nat here going to start us off so you can open it and have a look and i want you to mime what that is these are occupations by the way doctor <laughs> okay what does a doctor do can you yeah? Okay. That's good. okay. So can you examine Geordie there? Uh, what would you do? You'd feel head. Wouldn't you? Has she got a temperature? I should, all right. Ah. And if you had a stethoscope. <laughs> right. And he would be a doctor. Right, well done. Geordie, what's yours? Don't tell us, just mine is. <laughs> yours is a bit harder. That's fine. That was fine. Really? A builder, yeah, he would be a builder. Karen, now you might need to have the help of these people here. Yeah, so yeah. I've given you two, haven't I? Yeah. You know what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you go with Geordie. <laughs> Well done. Okay. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that wasn't too challenging for everybody. Okay. So we have a doctor, a builder, and a shepherd. Now I'll give you one guess what I'm going to speak on. It's not a doctor, and it's not a builder. Okay. So in Bible times, being a shepherd was a very different occupation from what it is today. Sheep were important, and the, it was part of the life of the families. And to be a shepherd... It was, you were dedicated to that role and you lived a life where you were wandering around, you just travelled about and you really didn't have many home comforts, if any, and definitely didn't have the support of your family. A shepherd was dedicated to the safety and the welfare of his sheep. Let's think about sheep for a while. That's my lovely pasture, isn't that nice? Can I have my next slide, please? What is a sheep? The first thing I think about when I think about sheep is mint sauce. <laughs> it's really nice with mint sauce, but that's not really going to be helpful to this talk. Okay. So when I think about the attributes of sheep, I think of them in a number of ways. To start with, the vulnerable. Sheep are known to have poor eyesight and hearing. Sheep have no camouflage and they have no protection from predators. It doesn't have claws and it doesn't have strong jaws for biting. Sheep are easily confused and frightened and they'll run away in a panic. They'll get so panicked, they'll even run off the end of a cliff. 
And that does not just disastrous for that sheep, it's disastrous for all the others because they tend to follow on, they follow the friends and they go over the end as well. So they end up with the same difficulty. This is where the familiar scenario comes in of a sheep being stupid and easily led. I can relate to some of those attributes. My sight and hearing could be better because I don't always see the consequences of my actions and I often fail to hear what God wants me to hear. I don't make a secret of my Christian faith but this can cause me problems because I can be misunderstood and I can be mistrusted. As people who don't know me think that I'm going to judge them or criticise them in some way. And this can be hurtful for me because though I'm not in direct danger from predators, I haven't got claws and I haven't got strong jaws for biting to protect myself from harsh or unfair treatment. Rejection when you're trying to help or build a re relationship or a friendship is tough to deal with and it can be just as damaging to a person as a wolf is to a sheep. I'm a simple soul and it doesn't take a lot to confuse me. You ask my family and frighten me. Though I tell myself I just have to trust in God, quite often I still find myself in a panic and running off in a direction that I'm not meant to go. Because I need to have an answer to my problem now, my panic can lead me over a cliff and a long fall down or cause me to stray into a thorn bush or I can follow somebody else's path that takes me away from the things that have kept me safe in the past. Stupid and easily led. Yeah, that just about sums it up. I don't think I'm alone when I make these comparisons. I believe there are lots of us, and that makes us a flock, a flock of sheep. And what does a flock of sheep need? Next slide, please. He needs a shepherd. What is a shepherd? King David wrote Psalm 23, and he understood sheep. He was a shepherd boy before he defeated Goliath and became a great warrior and king. He understood completely the needs of a sheep, but he also knew there were things that we could learn about being cared for by a shepherd. I'm just going to read Psalm 23. That's the, the psalm you read. Can you just put the next one up? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's such beautiful words, and what comfort this psalm's brought to so many over the generations. Many, many people will say this is the, fa the favourite part of the, the Bible. I've had this little account 
for many years, and I've often read it and shared it. It was written following a conversation with an elderly Basque sheep herder, and these are a few of his thoughts on the 23rd Psalm from a man who has lived the life of a shepherd. Next slide, please. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. A shepherd will plan his day around his sheep. Sheep tend to start eating very early in the morning and during the day he'll lead them to the rich sweet grass so that they can eat and rest later. As they're contentedly chewing their cuds, he knows that they are gaining weight, putting on fat and keeping healthy. Sheep need water to drink. I don't know whether you knew, but they won't drink from fast-flowing water. So if it's running really fast, they just won't go there. So a shepherd will look for quiet waters, and if he can't find them, he builds a little dam so that a pool will be there so that the sheep can drink comfortably. The sheep gain confidence in the presence of the shepherd and will draw near to be stroked and receive affection. This all adds to the contentment and the peaceful spirit of the animal. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. The shepherd tries to provide everything for his sheep that his sheep needs, provision, nourishment, and a contented spirit. Our Lord wants that for us too. And if we keep close to him, all our needs will be provided for. Can I have the next one? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. There's an actual narrow defile through a mountain range in Palestine known as the valley of the shadow of death. In this area, it's necessary for sheep to be moved through the valley for seasonal feeding each year. It's a long, narrow path through the mountains that has deep gullies, and there is an unwritten law of shepherds that flocks must go up the valley in the morning and down in the evening, because if they do meet in the middle, they're stuck, because it's so narrow they can't pass each other, and it's that narrow that they can't even turn around and go back. About halfway through, the path is cut into two by an eight-foot gully that has one side 18 inches higher than the other. The sheep have to jump across it, so the shepherd will stand in the break and corpses, the fo and, or forces, if it's necessary, the sheep to make the leap. If a sheep slips and lands in the gully, the shepherd will use his staff to pull it up back onto safe ground. There's also wild dogs looking for a good meal in this area, and once again, the shepherd will use his trusty staff to protect his flock. There are times in our Christian walk when we need to travel a rocky and an uneven path. When we're facing death or bereavement, it's a path that we cannot turn around in. When we're at the point of not being able to cope, 
That's when our shepherd stands in the gap and coaxes or strongly persuades us to go the way he knows is best for us. His trusty rod and staff will pull us out of tight spots and protect us from things that harm us. We shouldn't fear any evil when he is with us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David's meaning here is a simple one when conditions on the Holy Land sheep ranges are known. Poisonous plants that are fatal to grazing animals can be problematic. So the shepherd must be alert. He will go ahead of the flock and look out for these plants and pull them out. He lay them on little stone pyres, which were probably built by shepherds generations before, where the sun will dry them so they can be burnt. He'll then be able to bring his flock to the pasture that is free from the poisonous plants so they can graze safely in the presence of their plant enemies. We must never lose sight of the fact that our shepherd has the victory over all our enemies and has made it possible for us to go into the pastures where the best grazing is. When we are thinking about spiritual power, there is no such thing as a no-go area. But the thing we have to remember is that we can't go there on our own. Our shepherd needs to go ahead and prepare the way for us and uproot the things that may harm us. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. At the end of the day, when the shepherd returns to the fold with his flocks, they enter by a narrow gate. As each each sheep passes, he examines it for briars in the ears, snags in its cheek, or weeping eyes caused by dust or scratches. When he sees any of these conditions, he takes the sheep out of the line with his rod and he treats the wounds carefully. He cleans it thoroughly, then dips his hand into olive oil and anoints the injury. A large cup is dipped into a jar of cool water, never half full, always overflowing, and the sheep will sink its nose into the water to bathe its eyes and drink until fully refreshed. When all the sheep are settled, the shepherd places his staff within reach in case he needs it during the night, wraps himself in his woolen robe and lies down across the gateway where he sleeps, knowing he has done all he can to keep his flock safe, well and comfortable. As the sheep settle, if they were able to speak, they would probably say, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The life of a sheep doesn't sound too bad when you put it like that, does it? The Good Shepherd. In John 10:3, Jesus tells us that the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Quite a few years ago, things had been pretty tough for us as a family. 
and we had moved to a new area, but things hadn't really worked out for us. Robert, our youngest son, you know Robert from, he comes with us, was about seven years old at the time. And he found it particularly difficult to settle and make new friendships. We moved away again quite quickly and things started to settle down again. He seemed happier in his new school and started to make friends. Robert's actually off camping in the lakes at the moment with one of those friends he made at that time. We were there about three years, but we were just renting our house. And over the Christmas holidays, our landlord visited us to say he wanted his house back and we needed to move. I was distraught. I was so afraid of having to uproot Robert again. Our Christian friends immediately started praying and my prayer was for a house within streets. That was a pretty tall order as the area was very popular with few rented properties at that time and we had no money for a deposit to buy. I was in the house alone one day and to be honest, I was in my bedroom having a little weep <laughs> as I couldn't really see a way through. I was feeling very sorry for myself and desperately looking for a sign from God that he was in control. I just couldn't see one and I got a bit cross with myself. I never wanted to be a pie in the sky, Christian. You know the type, if it sunshines tomorrow, everything's going to be fine. I heard a voice. It was an audible voice, and I looked around to see who was there. There was nobody there. But the voice told me, look for me in everything. Since that day, I have been able to see something of God in so many situations, from watching the washing blowing on the line to seeing the birds in the garden to finger marks on the windows. When I see the finger marks on the windows, it reminds me that when God touches us, he cannot fail but leave his mark on us. There's always a Bible verse I can find to fit into my observations and God's blessed me so much in this over the years. I started to share them with a few people and that's grown so now I text quite a few people quite most days and they've told me of times it has helped them. God being God will often use these texts in timely ways for others as well as for me. I now firmly believe that whatever the situation we find ourselves in, if we look for God in it, we will find him. By doing this, it takes any power Satan may want us to believe he has over us away from him as he works to discourage and mislead us and puts that power firmly into God's hands. About a week after my voice moment, I was looking through a drawer for something and I picked up an insurance policy that we had taken out just after we got married. Guess what? We hadn't realised it, but it was about to mature, <laughs> which gave us the deposit we needed on the house that was for sale a couple of streets away and where we live now 20 years later. <laughs>
Jesus is our good shepherd. He speaks to us, but we have to hear and respond. He leads us, but we have to follow. He does his bit, but we have to do ours by responding to his call and following him. The thing is, we're not sheep, we are people. We are people made in the image of God with a brain to give us intelligence and a free will to make choices. We're much more able than sheep to take control of the situations we find ourselves in. Do we panic and run off a cliff or do we listen out for the shepherd's voice and follow him? Do we follow the rest of the flock into areas we shouldn't be or do we keep our eyes fixed on the shepherd and follow him? That's our challenge and it's one we have to take each and every day. My advice would be follow the shepherd. Thank you. Would the band come up please? I just want us to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you that you are such a good shepherd to us, Lord, that you look after us, that you lead us, that you're always there. And Lord, we just need to ask that you will help us to always listen to you, listen out for your voice, and keep an eye on your lead, Lord, wherever you may take us. Lord, I just pray day by day that we will continue to look for something of you in every situation that we find ourselves in. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. We're going to sing a song that covers the 23rd Psalm. I'll trust in you alone. Thank you.